thanks for coming. Glad to have you. If you're, my name's Alex, and if you're new, maybe visiting from Rise and Shine, um, welcome. Thrilled you're here. Please introduce yourself to me after the service so I can get some names and, and faces. And uh, I'm going to do a couple things um, over the next few minutes. I want <clears throat> to kind of talk you through, as a reminder for everybody here, uh, why kids are so important to us as a church, and just kind of my a little bit of my story through that. Um, we'll talk a little bit, and I don't do this very often, but. Um, uh, talk about some just some parenting stuff from the Bible and from real life, and then I want to talk about a, a passage in Scripture that whether you're parenting kids or parenting your own soul, because that's what we you know got to spend a lot of time just leading ourselves um, in this life. Uh, this this passage is is critical, and I try to take at least one Sunday a year to walk through it because we can stray pretty far from such a basic concept, and, and like to continue to to go back to that. So um, let me tell you a little bit about who we are as a church and uh, why kids are so important to us. And so I I typically say that as a church, we're all about kids. We're all about kids. And it it sounds uh, almost blasphemous. Like it took me a while to find peace with that, um, with that slogan or whatever you want to call it, because a little mantra or whatever, because it seems like a church should be all about Jesus, right? We should be all about God. But really what I've come to believe is if you're not all about kids, you're not all about Jesus. Like you can't be all about Jesus unless you're all about kids. And so that all comes from uh, this book. It's called Too Small to Ignore. And I read it in 2009. It's by Wes Stafford. I'm going to leave some books up here and feel free after the service if you want to come grab one. Uh, But if you take one, you have to read it. That's the rule. Um, uh, So I, I read that book. In 2009, and there has never, ever, 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 ever been a book, and I read a lot, there's never been a book that has so changed me um, immediately, uh, more so than Too Small to Ignore. And Wes Stafford, the author, talks about his story and how he came to realize uh, the sky-high importance of caring for children as it relates to walking with Jesus. And he uses this passage in Matthew 18, which for me has come, has become, um, and for us as a church, has become a passage around which we build a lot of what we do. Uh, so um, I'm going to read it to you. It, it says that, um, it says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is Jesus pulls a kid up in front of everybody and says, if you welcome him or her, you'll welcome me. And then he goes on to say, if you mistreat or ignore, then I take that personal. Like Jesus is saying, I take it personal how you treat children. And so if you want to think about building a church with God's blessing, there, there's the formula. If we, how we treat children is how we treat Jesus. And if we want the blessings of Jesus, then we need to welcome children because by doing so, we welcome him. And if we ignore children then we're ignoring Jesus. And that just that gripped me, and I thought, my gosh, if that's on a, on a personal, on an individual level, and, and you know, I kind of just decided 
if I help, I mean, I've been at Polaris 23 years now, and, and as I help build Polaris and shape Polaris, <clears throat> certainly this has to be central. In fact, I don't think I could ever be a part of a church now that didn't have a kid-centric view of the ministry of the church because how we treat children, that's how we treat Jesus. And so, and so for me, as I stand before God someday and talk through um, you know, the, the calling that he's given me with, with the, uh, helping to build a church, I better make sure that I can tell him that I did everything that I knew to do to make sure this church was all about kids because I want to welcome Jesus and we want to welcome Jesus with what we do. And so, uh, you know, if you follow Jesus, if you think about following Jesus, um, I, I hope that you'll think really hard, of, like as an individual, what am I doing to love and care for and protect children? How can I help? How can I love Jesus by loving kids? So uh, that's central to who we are. Now let me take just a minute because I know there's <clears throat> a lot of young families at Polaris and, and I, don't, I don't talk a lot about parenting partly because I have uh, a freshman and a senior and um, the verdict's still out on whether there's any proof in the pudding or not from the Poindexter parenting. But what I can tell you is there's a few things that my wife and I, um, I feel like got right that we learned from some of our parenting mentors. These are some things that I've seen um, uh, at work in the lives of others, and, and there is fruit uh, in, in their kids. So uh, the, the first thing, just, to, just some, um, for, for young parents out there with, with young kids, um, the first thing is Kelly and I, and I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was 17 years ago, um, Kelly was pregnant with, with our, our first kid, Spencer, and um, we were sitting at the, in, in Phil and Leanne Beck's um, um, kitchen, and, and they had said to us, and, and they had two kids at the time, um, you know, congratulations, we're really close with them, congratulations, just always remember that the baby is a welcomed addition, not the center of the family. The baby is a welcomed addition, not the center of the family. And there are, you know, I mean, I've seen this both ways. There are a lot of families because, it, you know, it, it seems like the right thing to say, like the good and godly and, 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 and noble thing to say that, you know what, the kid's number one. The, the baby is number one. The baby's the most important thing. What we do for this kid is the most important thing. But biblically and just how things tend to turn out, I see that mantra, that approach, bear fruit time and again. The baby is a welcomed addition, not the center of. Welcomed addition to, not the center of the family. Because like, like Abraham Lincoln said, the best thing you can do for a kid is to love their mother. Best thing you can do for a kid is to love their father. You know, the idea that the marriage is the center. Now, this isn't, uh, you know, I'm not... Some, some of you had marriages that, that didn't go so well, and, and that's not the case. There's not a marriage at the center of your family, and, and it's not, I'm not, you know, trying to dig. God can use anything. God can take some pretty messy things and do some great things. He's really good at that. But if there's, you know, if there is a marriage intact, I hope that you will consider that approach versus the, you know, the, what the, the kids are most important. I would argue that, nope, the marriage is most important. 
and the baby is a welcomed addition, I think what you'll do is you'll provide more security through that flow and that understanding. Like I would think that the kids should even be able to articulate that. Mom and dad's marriage is number one, and I'm a close second. Um, so I, I, would, I, would, I would strongly recommend <clears throat> considering your parenting approach around babies a welcome addition, kids a welcome addition, not the center of the family. Number two, real practical. Uh, and this comes from uh, Jim and Tammy Campbell. Uh, Tammy basically um, did a lot to raise our kids while Kelly and I were at work. When we had days where we were both at work, we would take our, um, our babies to Tammy Campbell and she would watch them. And I realized that she spent a lot of time with them when they first learned to crawl on the steps. She would take them on the steps. And I was like, what are you doing with my kid on the steps? But she would teach, uh, when, when, as soon as they learned to crawl, <clears throat> as soon as they learned to crawl, she would teach them to go backwards down the steps. And I realized how genius that was because she said, you know, because we're new to the parenting thing. We didn't have crawlers. We didn't really know much about much. <clears throat> and you generally would think, keep them off the steps. But she said, I, I mean, essentially, she, she's right. Man, the crawlers are like ninjas. I mean, you turn your head for a second, and they're gone. And they will go to the most dangerous place that they can. Somehow they know. <clears throat> and so if you're upstairs, and they get away, or you're downstairs, and they start cruising up the steps, by them knowing how to go down, it gives them a chance <laughs> to not severely injure themselves by taking the death roll down the steps. And so just on a real practical uh, uh, lesson, I thought that, that's, I was very thankful to Tammy for that because, um, you know, who knows the ER trips that saved us from when our boys would, would find themselves, you know, cruising up the steps with no parental supervision whatsoever, especially the second one. The first one, you're a little, you know, you're around a little more. Second one, eh, I don't know. <clears throat> I think he's made of rubber. And then um, uh, the, the third um, bit of advice, and for some of you, you know, I'm not, I don't say any of this stuff. Believe me, I don't say any of this stuff from like a judgmental place. I, everybody's got to try to figure it out in a way that, you know, works and, and saves sanity and all that. But this comes from, from uh, Bill and Kathy Beebe. They were other parenting mentors of ours. And, uh, and they, they basically said, fight the battle to wait until age 13 for a full-functioning phone. And, um, and we did that, and we, I mean, we're the only ones in the school that don't have a phone. Um, and they may have been, I don't know. But I can say that I, um, um, my wife and I are very grateful that we fought the battle to wait as long as we could to get a phone into our kids' hands. And I know that that probably is parenting battle number one. Like, I think when I was growing up, it was probably like, you know, movie ratings and video games and things like that. But now I think it's how, how long can you wait um, um, to get a, a phone into your kid's hands? And I would say wait as long as you possibly can for that because um, that's Pandora's box. Um, and, and we've seen that. And, and the other thing along those lines, and I'm an iPhone guy. I'm an Apple fanboy. Um, if you have, if they get, end up with an iPhone, uh, use downtime, YouTube, 
go to YouTube and learn how to use downtime um, as the family administrator because there, there is just a, I mean, we had the Ned Flanders approach, you know, 9,000 apps all locked out. Um, but there's lots of, of things you can do to govern your kid's phone um, through downtime. But that, that's, I mean, fight that battle. I don't want to go into social media, but that's another one. Man, I would, I would strongly urge you to be the bad guy, be hated, and wait as long as you can um, for milestones to get into the social media world because it's, it's just, I mean, and I have, I have boys, I've heard that it's even worse when you're raising girls, social media, but just um, uh, fight that. Now, uh, one more quick thing about <coughs> parenting. <coughs> Excuse me. I had a slide up there of two books. These two books for my wife and I by John Roseman. I'll leave uh, these two copies up there. Feel free to take one if you want. Um, the Well-Behaved Child and Teen Proofing. I got, I don't have one up here with me. There's the scriptures. And these come into a very close second in terms of things that brought peace to our house. Okay, this is parenting gold. Um, just time and again, we would implement his systems, and there would be about two days of World War III in the house, and then peace and happiness. And, I mean, it's just, it's just good stuff. So I, I can't recommend it enough. John Roseman, if you are raising kids, if you are raising teens... Check his stuff out. I'm telling you, it's, it's really, really good. All right, now, let me move on to, um, and this is, this is very much an obscure parenting passage in the Bible. It's very much about parenting and when we think about developing greatness in our kids, but it also applies to each and every one of us. So even if you don't have kids, if you're you know, married, single, whatever, this, this, is, this is one of those just real life God's way principles that I think applies to everything from parenting to politics, okay? So here we go. <clears throat> this is Matthew 20. The mother of Zebedee's sons, okay, so Zebedee's sons, that's James and John. They were uh, two of the big three um, in, in Jesus' uh, inner world. So you got Peter, James, and John, okay? So James and John, two of the big three, um, that's them. The mother of Zebedee's sons, so James and John, mom, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked him for a favor. So she's got her two boys. The mom has her two boys with her and she approaches Jesus and begs him for a favor. What is it you want? Jesus asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, here's what she's asking. Um, it was believed by the Jews that followed Jesus that he was the Messiah, and therefore he was going to rule a geographical and spiritual kingdom in the world. Like, like he was going to emerge as the ruler of the world there and then. And so what she's essentially asking is, make this guy, uh, make one of these your uh, vice president and the other uh, secretary of state. Like, she was asking for them to have... Um, worldly significance, high-level worldly significance when Jesus began this kingdom of God here on earth. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus uh, said to them. Can you drink 
uh, the cup I'm going to drink, meaning uh, can you go through the pain and sorrow that I'm going to go through? In other words, he's saying you don't even know what's going to happen these next few hours, um, these next few days and weeks, and what, what this real, the, the real kingdom that I'm bringing uh, even is, much less what it's going to cost. Well, they said, uh, we can, we can drink the cup you're going to drink. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at the right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, that's the other, uh, the, uh, you know, twelve disciples, um, twelve apostles, twelve disciples, the twelve um, um, leaders uh, of leaders within uh, Jesus' disciples. Um, so two of them are being asked about um, a right and a left positional authority, and the other ten get pretty mad at that request, okay, which is amazing that deep into Jesus' ministry, they're still squabbling. I mean, these guys are about to take over the movement, and they're still squabbling about who gets the best seat at the table. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, so people far from God, you know that people far from God uh, lorded over them. The leaders that are far from God lorded over, they lord their position and authority over others around them. <clears throat> Their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. If I ever got a tattoo, well, like I wish I would have when I went to, because you guys need to know this. Um, this part isn't in my notes. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a freebie. Like I wish when I went to Israel, when I went to Jerusalem, I would have got the pilgrim's cross tattooed somewhere. If I ever got another tattoo, it would be that. Not so with you. In other words, the world does things like this. Not so with you. My followers do things differently. Then here's what he says. And I can find it. Okay. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus says, just like me, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. <clears throat> this passage has a lot of life implications. Let me start with the parenting implication. Anybody here as a parent want your kids to be great? I do. I want my boys to be great. And the world is going to tell you a lot about what that means. Here's what it means to be great. We have our ideas, and social media is going to tell us a lot about what it means to be great. What does Jesus define as greatness? Servanthood. Servanthood. And so the parenting, the painful parenting exercise is to think about what we're really pouring into our kids as a means of developing greatness. How does it line up with what Jesus teaches? And then the really painful exercise is to maybe take a look at your schedule and take a look at your check, your, your um, nobody does checkbooks anymore, but your online Entries, I date myself every now and then and realize, oh, nobody does that anymore. <clears throat> so you look at your online bank statement and you look at your calendar 
And um, a lot of times mine is um, to help with batting averages and, um, you know, grades and things like that. What are you, you know, that's, that's the greatness that we're shooting for a lot as parents is complete worldly values. We pour a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of parenting into the world's definition of greatness. Things like careers, um, things like social status, who's in what group, um, greatness in, in, uh, in, in sports or, or in activities, extracurriculars, greatness in terms of a resume. But if servanthood, if that's God's definition of greatness, where Jesus may say, oh, you want your kid to be great, excellent, you know, the greatest thing they can do is to mop up vomit in a homeless shelter. That's greatness. I don't know that I really aspire then to greatness for my kid. What are we doing actively to develop real greatness? Because that's what really matters in our kids. And of course, that's an easy transition into um, ourselves, into everything from our own pursuits to politics, uh, to worldview, to whatever. How does Jesus define greatness as compared to what he says, you know, he calls it Gentile greatness, worldly greatness. And where are we pouring our energy? And it's, I mean, you know, it's a pretty humbling exercise. Because if I'm honest with myself, <clears throat> I'm much more interested in my boys having a great career in looking great out on the baseball field, um, uh, in, in their grades. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important or that we should, you know, shun or reject all those things. But Jesus says this is true greatness. And if we want to be parents that raise great kids or human beings who do great things in God's eyes, then Matthew 20 needs to be central and we have to be intentional about it because most of our inclinations are going to want to go toward worldly greatness. Looks way better on Facebook than greatness as Jesus defines it. Okay, so um, again, I'll leave these books up here. Um, will you do one more thing? Leslie, will you put the two books there and, and maybe you guys, if your parents, please screenshot that real quick because I, again I just want to make sure you leave there if you're if you're in the thick of it especially if you're parenting young kids um, and, and you want a, a great resource there it is <clears throat> I'm gonna have um, first of all if you are in any way associated with rise and shine whether you have kids there or work there would you just raise your hand would you like just how much typically a, a Polaris crowd um, there, there's just, there is a lot of Rise and Shine connection. A lot of our families are, are from Rise and Shine. Um, and I just, I, I, 
teachers today here from Rise and Shine, families here, so glad that you're here, so grateful for you. Um, so we're going to take a minute to pray for um, the Rise and Shine school year, for public school year all around, for, for, for all things um, school and, and children. So uh, w- with this in mind, um, I would love for you to fix your focus on our local schools. Would, could we stand? Could we all stand, please? <coughs> So we're going to fix our focus on local schools, on Rise and Shine, on Love Pure. And you know what? Have a seat. I made a big drop here. I wanted to... If you're new to Polaris, this is a, this is a big part of, a, of any given Sunday morning. Is at any time, me realizing that I forgot something significant... If you work for, for Polaris, you know that that's a big part of the culture. Um, so not only is our love for children local, we actually have taken our love for children across the world. So Chuck and Christy Badly, Christy was, was central to um, Rise and Shine and to Polaris, and because of our value for children, uh, they took it really serious. And one vacation, years ago, when they were in Costa Rica, they noticed children in poverty. And it led them to being so overwhelmed that they essentially sold everything here and started Love Pure Ministry. And on behalf of Polaris, have gone there and we donated uh, Christmas Eve offerings to buy a, a, a youth center there in the middle of, a, of, a, of a, essentially a slum, a barrio. And they are there now beginning ministry from there. So this is our first ever video update from Chuck and Christy Badly from Costa Rica. And I can't believe I almost forgot it. <coughs> Hey Polaris, this is Chuck and Christy Badley, and we're down here actually in the youth center in uh, Alolita. And we are giving you, we just want to give you guys an update on what's going on. We've had camp um, for, the, for the January camps, and then we just got back from camp up in the mountains with the teens um, a couple of weekends ago. So we'll, you'll see some things on Facebook about that. We're still doing um, Bible clubs for the small guys in the, in the shanties. And we're doing a teen Bible club here on Wednesday nights. We average about 30 kids, 40 kids um, every Wednesday night, teenagers. Um, we have tutoring that goes on here um, two days a week right now, possibly going to become more. And then we have English classes that are also going on here, uh, I think twice a week also for those kids that um, are interested in just taking their English up to the next level to help them be able to get a job. Um, we do have a couple of new activities that we have some like pilot um, programs going to try out. One is a preschool age program. where <laughs> um, We're trying to get some kids ages like three to five in here. There's not a, a lot for them right now and we know there's a ton of them in the, in the, in the community. So we're trying to get them in. We've had maybe five or six um, I think our top number so far was six, and obviously we want a lot more kids in here than that. So um, we're not sure what the challenge is. We haven't identified it yet, but we're trying some different solutions to identify it. We don't know if it's um, 
you know, moms being able to leave the, the houses to bring the kids here. We don't know if it's um, that the school schedule is really funny. So we're trying to figure out that, but um, we're just going to keep keep trying different ways to get them here because we know it's a it's an age group that desperately needs them. We have all the books from Rise and Shine that they um, donated last year. So we've got all those here. We've got the um, some art supplies and stuff. So we're just trying to get the kids here to start that that program going. Okay, the second um, program that we have piloting is actually, actually the first one is going to be this Saturday. Um, it's a program for teen girls only. We have a friend here who um, is Costa Rican, so she understands the culture a little bit and the challenges that these girls face specifically in this um, macho culture that they live in. And so she's going to come in and um, they're also going to do some type of craft, just something to do with their hands to keep them busy. And they're just going to talk. It's just a safe place to have them talk. And um, she's going to start identifying some of the things that they're dealing with and problems and just trying to help them um, through that. So we had a, a friend drop by today. Her name is Kata and she lives in the area and she, anytime the doors are open, Kata comes by. So we're just gonna have a very brief conversation so you can get to know her. Hola. Hola. Uh, ¿Cómo se llama? Kata. Oh, ¿Cuántos años tiene? Ocho. Okay, so she's told us she's eight years old. Christy, do you have anything that you want to ask Kata? Kata, ¿cuántos hermanos tiene? Tres. Three, okay. three, bro three, three brothers and three sisters. Le gusta escuela? So she does like the youth center. So we're excited uh, as we were wrapping up the video, another friend stopped by. His name is Kendall. Kendall? Hola. Hola. Uh, Kendall, ¿cuántos años? Yes, he's 12 years old. He's been in the program for a while. Uh, we've met him at camp. His sister, Hazel, and brother Gabriel also, uh, you guys have seen some videos of them, but um, Kendall stops by on a regular basis. He comes to the Teen Bible Club on Wednesday night, so just wanted to introduce you to Kendall. Ciao. Ciao. Excited. We appreciate everybody's thoughts, prayers, support. And messages. Messages. Love getting those messages from you guys. Yep. So we will see everybody soon. Ciao. Um, that, that's just for me, I mean, you, you guys bought that teen center and uh, another Christmas Eve offering last year, another $50,000 that you've given to cover their budget completely for this year. That's all from your generosity and we'll do it all again this Christmas Eve. And um, it's just, it, it is uh, humbling and unbelievable and all those superlatives uh, that we could come up with that that's something that's happening through our love for kids and God's energized that love for kids to do really th great things and it's going to keep happening. So um, now let's go ahead and stand. <coughs> and now fixing your thoughts on our local schools on Rise and Shine and on Love Pure in Costa Rica. Let's pray. Lord, circle our schools and keep these good things within. Eagerness to learn, 
blossoming of talents, a sense of wonder, enjoyment of sport, experience of beauty, warmth of friendship, the art of listening, respect for all, service of others, teamwork between children and adults, appropriate care for the planet, reverence for life, fitness of body, mind, and spirit. Lord, circle our schools and keep these bad things out. Low self-esteem, confusion, prejudice, racism, pride, bullying, cheating, lying, and fear. Violence of every kind, malicious gossip, and apathy. Lord, circle our schools, for you are the source of all good things. May every drive to and from school and events be safe. May every bus driver be filled with focus, wisdom, and love. May every parent be focused and present as they drive their child. May every student driver be focused and level-headed, especially mine, as they drive to and from school and events. Bless the administration of each school system near us. May they walk upright. Give them wisdom and courage to do the right thing for your children. Bless every teacher, aide, volunteer, cafeteria worker, office worker, janitor, and everyone involved with every preschool, public school, and private school, and home school. May they work together with you, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And together with your blessing, give these children whom you love a wonderful experience this school season. You are the giver of every good thing, and we are grateful for your blessings. In the name of Jesus, the greatest teacher to have ever been with us, we ask these blessings. Amen. Have a good week. Go eat some donuts. Go Browns. <laughs>